welcome along to another Greenlight podcast from Active Consent. In this podcast, we explore how consent, sexual violence and relationships are depicted in and shaped by pop culture, from Hollywood and TV shows to music and celebrities. So today we have myself, Caroline West, and my other co-host, Alex. How are you today, Miss Alex Black? I'm very good today. It's a very gloomy day though in Galway, but I'm very excited for the conversation we're going to have today. I think it's going to really brighten things up for me. Oh, that was smooth. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I like like that. Uh, Well, we are like ridiculously excited today because we have a bona fide like Netflix celebrity recording with us today. And I can see like you're kind of blushing, but it's true. It's very true. (laughs) So we have the honor of being joined by Dirty Lola, who is a sex edutainer, speaker and self-proclaimed dildo slinger and she's known for her live sex ed Q&A show called Sex Ed A Go Go and she's also co-host of New York Magazine's web series Sex Props. Lola has spent almost a decade working to end stigma and shame surrounding sex and sexuality. Having started her journey sharing personal discoveries with polyamory and kink online, Lola now uses her knowledge, warm candor and public platforms to teach the masses in person and to wrapped internet audiences. In addition to her educational projects, Lola is also the creative director of Spectrum Journal, which is an online magazine offshoot of the female-owned online sex shop Spectrum Boutique, which is based in Detroit and has brought her unique brand of sex-positive sex education to the Netflix docuseries, The Principles of Pleasure. And if that wasn't enough, to brands such as B-Vibe, Spencer's Gifts and Math Magazine. So bonafide Netflix celebrity, Lola, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. That's never going to get old. No. Please (laughs) tell us you have it on a t-shirt or a business card or something. I should make a t-shirt that says, I'm on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So you were on this fabulous series called The Principles of Pleasure. So for anyone who doesn't know, it is um, not for young people as such. And do you want to explain the content of this show? Yeah, so it's a three-part, they broke it into three parts, of docu-series about basically how women's bodies, folks with vulva's bodies, um, and sexuality, and we talk about the orgasm gap, and we talk about, like, the first episode in the series is literally about your, um, I think it's mind, no, it's body, then mind, then relationships. It's broken up into each set but they talk about just all these things that we don't normally learn about in school or after school college anything like that um things that a lot of adults don't know I've had so many people go like oh my god like I I learned something new and I thought I knew everything one woman literally wrote me and said my mom is a gynecologist we talk all the time and I never knew that hymens grow back and she said, I immediately called my mom to ask her about it. And she's like, well, it just never came up. She's like, why didn't you tell me this was a thing? So it's it's all about, you know, all the things that have been left out of the conversation, but in a digestible, entertaining package. And I like to think that it's for everybody because even if it's, even if you don't have a bulb and it's not necessarily about your body, learning about other people's bodies can make you a better human and a better lover and a better partner. Um, and a better parent that's very true yeah all those good things that are there and I love that so you describe yourself as a sex edutainer and you use a lot of humor in in the work that you're doing and I think that's what's so lovely about this series is that it's just so fun like from the illustrations from the conversations there's just a kind of gentleness in it and I think that's such a great way to do sex education so like what what was it like like you're on Netflix talking about pleasure and masturbation and sex toys like what is that like as an experience I mean when I filmed it it felt it was very much like anything else I do you know it was a close set because we filmed it in 2020 like this has been such a long time in the making we filmed it they got in touch with me right after lockdown. So like we were a week into lockdown and they were, they approached me about the project and just to like kind of gauge if I would be right for it, if I would want to do it. And then a month later they had changed production. (laughs) And so they got in touch with me again and I kind of redid it. And then it was a go, but filming wasn't allowed yet. And 
then we thought we would be filming like December of that year and that didn't happen. And we ended up filming early 2021 and it was just the crew and me, like none of the sex experts you see, none of the people that are on set, none of us saw each other. I don't think any of us knew, like I knew a couple people they were talking to, but I didn't know for sure who was going to be in it. Um, it was very isolated, like because it had to be because of COVID. And so it just really felt like any other kind of gig where they're talking, asking questions and I'm answering and um, they had told me what they wanted, like with the toys and everything. And I work in a sex shop. So half those toys were mine and like half were from the shop. Uh, there's a point where I reach into a purple bag. That's my personal toy bag <laughs> and that, that I brought for the show. So it just felt like any other, like kind of like a little workshop, which was fun because the people on set, like the producers and the director were all in the same boat of, we are not experts. And I was teaching them things like they would constantly stop and go, wait a minute, is that true? What? Are you kidding? And then, and then we'd be talking and they're like, okay, 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 okay. Like back, we have to get back filming and like okay let's let's say this on camera so it was while we were doing it just felt like I was doing another class and they kept impressing upon me that they wanted to create something for people in middle America who don't have access to you know progressive sex shops and maybe who don't have like a large queer community or a large sex positive community or anything like that at all people in small towns who maybe their only access to any kind of information around sex is programming on Netflix, you know, because that's where a lot of people get information, um, and that this was going to be going worldwide. So they wanted people in countries everywhere to be able to watch this and not feel like it was too much or that we were going over their heads with information. They wanted it to be really accessible. So that was what was in mind while I was doing it and like, you know, even trying to use the language that I was using and who and remembering who I was talking to. Um, it, the, one of the best compliments I've gotten is this gentleman reached out to me and he said, "You make it. You made sex toys feel so wholesome. Like <laughs> you, it Aww. felt so. You, it was just like you were just talking about it. Like it's a like the thing. Like it's a nothing salacious. You were just explaining it and exactly what it is and how you can use it. And you, it was just like." that was it. He was like, there wasn't anything I like. And he said, you know, like, I'm going to show this to my teenager. Like, I'm going to ask if they want to watch this. And I know some parents have watched it with their kids. My partner's kiddo, um, she is 11, super smart. They watched it with her. And uh, she, like, we all actually were watching. We did like a watch party over Zoom with a bunch of friends. And she loved it. And she was like, oh, this is so great. And She's like, I'm going to tell some of my friends. I'm going to see if their parents will let them watch it. So it is like if you have some tweens, some kids who have a more of an understanding of bodies and things like her parent, her dad is a sex therapist, especially that first episode um, where we're talking about bodies and like bulbs and how they're made, and, like how they're made, but how they're shaped and, and the differences and all the things like that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Um, one thing I really wanted to ask you about, uh, Lola, is that um, especially in the third episode, like consent becomes quite a huge part. And obviously consent is our bread and butter. It's what we do every day. Yes. And it was so nice seeing you talk about like all the hot ways to ask for consent and communicating your desires to your partner. And I'm sure you're well aware um, that it's May. So it's masturbation month. And yeah. one thing that we've been talking about on our social media on active consent is that masturbation is actually really vital for consent communication when you're with a partner because it's so much easier to tell someone what you want when you actually know what that is and also just as importantly what you don't want and how actually right. those things really go hand in hand and I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that because it was so nice to hear you talk about it yeah I mean that was the that was another great part of it is that it wasn't just about like here are the birds and the bees of the bodies and here's how your body's made we do talk about all those things and I was able to talk about like consent and it being my experiences with it and, and how, and I hate when people say it's not hot. I hate it. I hate when I'm like, why is talking to each other not hot? Like, yes, you can make it not hot. <laughs> you could make it, you know, but I don't think misunderstanding and having someone have a freeze response and you not realizing what a freeze response is. And then later than feeling horrible 
about themselves or feeling violated, I don't think that's hot either, right? So I'd rather us find ways to make it hot and, and talk to each other and have these conversations. And yes, I, masturbation is definitely, it's like, it's the blueprint. I was talking about this last night that like masturbation is learning the blueprint of your body. It's knowing how many fingers fit inside of you, how big of a toy. You learn that by experimentation. Like sex is science, you know, as, and sex toys are scientific tools. That's just how I look at them because we learn these things about our, our bodies. Like I can tell someone like, hey, my vaginal opening's a little narrow. So like two, two fingers is great. Three fingers when I get excited, four fingers, I'm probably gonna tell you to do it and regret it tomorrow because, because it's gonna be a lot. And when I buy toys, sometimes my eyes are bigger, and I'm like, okay, you know, you know better. But sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna risk it all. I'm gonna go for it. But I've been able to communicate with like what feels good, what doesn't feel good. I don't like this kind of touch. It helped me to be able to communicate because I do have sexual assault in my background, and so being able to say these are things that can sometimes trigger me into a headspace or like hi, I like porn because it helps me stay in the game because even though you're in front of me, my brain is trying to separate itself because that is what for when I was younger, I was getting away during these moments. So even now as an adult, when I'm enjoying it, my brain is like, oh, we're in danger and wants to go put itself on a shelf and wants to think about laundry and like the movie Beauty and the Beast or whatever's happening instead of what's in front of me. And so when I'm like watching porn with a partner, it's I'm surrounded by sexy. I have sexy surround sound. I have imagery and and touch and all these things. And so I've learned that through masturbation. Like masturbating, even without porn, sometimes is hard for me. And I've learned like, oh, if I find the right thing, this feels good. And I can talk about that. And like I with my current partner, when I came into it, I was like, I need porn. He's like, what if we what if we tried some stuff? What if we, what if I found other ways to like maybe occupy your mind and keep you in the game? And so that's been a new like exploration and learning something, but we couldn't have those conversations had I not took the time to learn about me. And it really breaks my heart when people feel like masturbation is something lonely people do, or you're slutty if you're masturbating, or that you stop masturbating because you have a partner. Like, no, like... Self-pleasure is just, is one, you're right. And two, it just helps you, it clears your head. It's a painkiller. Like, why wouldn't you want to do these things? But I also think it helps you stay very solidly in yourself. And sometimes you need alone time. The same way you need alone time from your family, from your partner, and you go read a book. That's also masturbation. Sometimes you just need some time with yourself. And, and I think that it doesn't, have to take away from your relationship and with consent you could ask your partner do they want to know about it like that's another hot way of connecting with each other is talking about what you do or maybe asking if they want to watch you know these are all things we can like link in together and it has you have to have conversation and conversation can be hot a hundred percent and I, I love the way that you brought that in there because we often think of like consent as in partnered relationships but like consent with yourself because consent really is when you boil it all down it's just like respect and em- empathy and being nice to each other and that also includes being nice to yourself and figuring out what your you know what your background is like you said what your triggers are what feels comfortable to you and what your boundaries are so I love that you just brought that in there that like consent should be with yourself as well and Mm -hmm. I think we we miss that message don't we in a lot of society and pop culture references yeah we don't give ourselves permission a lot of times or we're doing things because we feel like we have to like you know like I always tell folks, don't don't masturbate or do this because you feel pressured. Like you have a friend who's like, you've got to do it. If you're very curious about it and if you feel like the need, but if you're, it, it can still backfire if you're doing something because you feel peer pressured into doing it or it just leads to you feeling broken, right? Like if you, if your friends are like, you don't masturbate, what's wrong with you? Or like, you don't, you don't ever feel like you want to. Everybody's arousal is different. Some people are still figuring out where they are on the spectrum of sexuality. Are they ace? Are they somewhere on the ace spectrum? 
So I think that's a thing to realize too, that not everybody's going to want that or need that or, or feel like they need that. And so, and that can be a thing too. So it's like giving yourself permission to like step back and really think about desire and how it manifests and what you want from it. Um, but that it's okay if you aren't there and you it's not a thing for you and you're like, hmm, it's not something I need versus like saying it's not something you need because you feel like you should only ever be pleasured by a partner or whoever you're with or, you know, like it's or it's wrong for you to masturbate, which a lot of folks with vulvas feel like that because that's a kind of message we're given is that that's not a thing that girls do in, in quotes, it's not things girls do. Yeah, and I think that really touches on one thing, another thing that you talk about in the show is this idea of sexual shame and how that's like such a huge barrier even to pleasure and communicating with our partners about consent and desire because even having the discussion and acknowledging that it's something that you want. And I think this is especially such a huge cultural thing in Ireland because um, like while we our social changes happen quite fast and now, you know, we're a much more progressive country than we were, like it this happens so fast. I mean, like, divorce divorce wasn't legalized till the 90s um homosexuality wasn't decriminalized till 93 yeah we had to have two referendums we had to have two votes to decriminalize or to make abortion or not abortion to make um divorce legal and we've only legalized abortion within the last couple of years you couldn't you could only get condoms with a prescription until 1985 so i think the rest of the world is in a hiv crisis and you can't even get condoms in ireland without a prescription which is insane so the change has been so fast that we i think have such a huge cultural hangover of that shame and especially a lot of catholic shame even though we're a much more diverse country than we were then mm-hmm. and i'd love to know maybe like what are your like how do we even go about like dismantling this kind of sexual shame and like how do you encounter that in your work and the way it actually manifests with people yeah it's it's I feel like this is like a whole chicken and egg scenario because it's we're taught or like I say we but like collectively it's like oh sex is for procreation and like when you fall in love you'll find so that person and you'll have babies together and then there's this other part that's telling you like oh sex will feel good if you're with the right person or like you think it's supposed to feel good and, and everything out in um, well, it used to be, at least growing up in the 80s and 90s, I feel like it was a lot more women always having orgasms after like two minutes of sex or whatever was happening. or and, and it was always penetration and nobody was using toys. And then in the 2000s, we started getting like the chorus of people say, talking about like, listen, things aren't happening. Um, and, and men aren't really good at this. But then it comes back around to how do we have, why do we have this expectation of a person who has a completely different body, who hasn't even really been truly taught about their body. Because men, folks with penises, aren't taught about fully how their bodies work. Like, they're kind of given a little bit of this silent, like, permission to masturbate, and boys will be boys, and things like this, and oh, they have urges. They're still shamed for having urges, even though they're excused to by what those urges lead to, they're like, oh, well, boys will be boys, but don't do it. But like, okay, it's okay if you do it. There's so many mixed messages happening. But why do we expect them to know how a vulva works? Like all of these videos going around where the, they're like, where's the, where's the clitoris? It's funny, but it's also sad. And it's, you think about it is there was nobody to teach them that. Why did we think they could go into a bedroom and suddenly be a master of not just your body, but everybody that they've come into contact with and they're throughout their sex life. And we talk about how different bodies are, how different vulvas are, how different our brains and how they connect to our bodies are. And we expect men to come in and like be a master of it. And then on top of that, we don't know anything. So we can't tell them what to do. There's an expectation that they're supposed to know. So we're sitting back like, okay, I'm not having an orgasm. And feeling broken, but also being mad at them, but also hiding it. So then you're faking. And then, and so then it's just this cycle of faking, making them feel like they're good at something that they're not. But why would they be good at it anyway? So it's really not their fault. They're not good at it. But you're not helping because you're not teaching. But also you've been shamed into thinking. So it's just this shitty cycle. And I talk about it all the time. I faked 
orgasms until I was like my early 20s. And finally, I remember sitting down with the man I ended up marrying, who's now my ex-husband, but he, before he became my husband, and like telling him I had been faking. And I remember how decimated he was. Just, and it wasn't out of me trying to blame him or say he was bad at sex. It was me going, listen, I need to figure out how to make this work. Like, I was starting to realize that a lot of my trauma things had affected my body because I was finally in a safe space. So, of course, when you're safe, all your trauma stuff comes up. So I realized, like, I didn't have feeling in my nipples. I had never had feeling in my nipples. Like, people would touch them. I have really nice boobs. And people would touch them. And I'd just be like, do, 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 okay. Like, it wasn't anything for me. And I would kind of, I would enjoy, like, all the stuff leading up to penetration and then penetration just always felt fruitless and I felt like it's my fault how do I figure it out and I realized like I can't figure it out without him if we're in this together I can't keep lying to him while I'm trying to figure out how to get there and how do I get there when I'm with him because I'm coming by myself I was having orgasms I had figured that out and I was good at it but how do I translate that into being with him and how do I stop resenting that I'm not having fun when we're having sex with each other, but I'm having fun alone? And it and I had to have that conversation and it killed him. It did. I remember he was so upset and he was like, oh, my gosh. And like, I can't believe you lied to me, but also like, oh, what does this mean? Am I bad at this? And and it was like, no, it's why would you know if I didn't tell you? And I don't even know. I'm still figuring this out and I want to figure this out with you. That that's just a lot of pain that shame caused and then the shame that he carried even into our exploration for a long time that I think it took him a while before he was able to shed like oh she needs porn and she needs toys and that it was that he wasn't doing a good job and it's like no that's not how bodies work most people with vulvas need external stimulation I wish you vibrated but you don't (laughs) (laughs) one day we might event that but uh yeah yeah. like you know but it's but it's true and it's like you can as fast as you can rub your fingers that's just not what my particular body needs now there's somebody out there that that is amazing for them my body needs some deep rumbly powerful vibrations but I also love a love human connection and dirty talk and kisses and hugs and feeling hands on me and you know, I learned about my kinkiness and, and that's how I got my feeling in my nipples again was exploring kink. And so all these things, when I finally got over the hump of feeling ashamed that I was lying and ashamed that I didn't know these things about my body and ashamed that I didn't have feeling all these things when I said, okay, I can sit here and feel bad about it or I can learn. And that was also as I was really moving into doing this work and talking about sex and putting all the dots together for myself but that it took a long time like shame stopped me from even doing some self-exploration and looking at my body and yeah it 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 was a it was a ball for a very long time and so it causes so many problems and it and even leads to worse things like let's move away from sex but when you have shame you don't talk to your doctor about things I was experiencing these sharp pains for years I would double over in pain it would go away and I'd go about my day and I never said anything and finally one day we were in the grocery store and I almost fell on the ground it like hit me so hard and my ex-husband's like what is dude you okay and I'm like I'm fine he's like ah that didn't look fine he's like how often does that happen I'm like I don't know like maybe a couple times a month and he's like and you never said anything and I'm like eh I'm okay and he's like we're in Target and you were just on the floor. I don't think you're okay. And so I just went to my doctor and I was like, so sometimes I get sharp pains. It's not a big deal. And my doctor was like, uh, let's feel around. Let's do some things. Let's send you for some tests. They found a huge cyst on my ovary that had been growing, that I had been there for years, which is why I was in pain because I never said anything because I didn't pay attention or not even pay attention. I just felt like, it wasn't enough. It, I wasn't in enough pain. I wasn't, it was, I didn't really want to think about it or talk about it. I was afraid that it would be somebody like, oh, because you're fat, you know, like all these things. I didn't talk to anybody about it. And I ended up like, I could have lost my ovary. Like it had wrapped around my ovary. So, and, and there was a point where they thought it was cancer. Like there was a whole like six months 
that I sat. And then I had shame about that, about how much I didn't take care of my body and how much I didn't listen to myself. But it that catapulted like anything I feel now. I'm like, hi, I'm just going to tell you this. You tell me. And it's not, you know, not being a hypochondriac. But now I'm like, no, no, no. Any weird thing I'm going to talk to you about. Because for years, that weird thing, I was just like, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. So, yeah, I just, I, it's, it sinks into all the cracks of, of everything. And it leaks into the, the little people in our lives and the kids. Like, I don't have kids of my own, but my partner has kids and I have friends with kids. And the way we talk about things in front of them and the differences I see when, with kids who have parents that don't talk about things in that way, that aren't using shame language, that talk about bodies or talk about things openly and how their kids look at themselves and clearly parents who aren't telling their kids to be ashamed, but their kids are hearing them talk about their bodies and how they look or, or how, you know, just, oh, I shouldn't wear this because people are going to say, you know, that those things translate. Kids see those things. So it's just such a pervasive thing that I just really feel like people need to pay attention to how damaging it can be. Really, really damaging. Oh, and you just summed that up perfectly there. I wish like we could just make that part of the podcast like mandatory listening to like everyone in school or something because it's so important. But I want to go back to what you said there about like the bodies and stuff and like not knowing. And it, it's like the same, you know, we wouldn't expect someone to jump in a car without ever having a lesson and then go, there you go, like off you go on a motorway or something. But I yeah. think like with, with, with guys and with people who, who are the proud owners of a penis, like it just it's a lot of pressure on them like you said they they're viewed as the active partner a lot of the Mm -hmm. time but like for for them it's kind of like the bigger your penis size that's it because they have like porn and that's like our our media tropes that we have and it's like being called a small dick person is like such an insult you know and it's Mm -hmm. just like this big thing and um over in the UK um last week or so there was a a trial going on between two footballers wives it was very juicy for its drama but um one of them had said she'd written a column about um a fling she'd had and she was like oh yeah he had such a tiny penis and he um only lasted a few minutes and it's like this poor guy then trended on Twitter and everyone's like, oh my God, imagine like he's turning on his phone at like four o'clock on a Tuesday and the size of his penis is like become a meme now. And it's like, you know, he kind of joked about it first. And then he was like, this isn't okay. Like this is mm-hmm. really bad body shaming and would not be acceptable for a woman. But I think for a lot of guys, it's like if you don't have this gigantic 13 inch penis that you see in porn a lot of the time, it's just like they internalize that shame so much because they don't see other guys and they don't talk amongst themselves as much and it's like how do we how do we tackle that because yeah that's hard no point and then what that turns into (laughs) that turns into and it doesn't excuse it but that turns into toxic behavior that turns into treating women poorly that turns into the gaslighting like you're making up for feeling inadequate so you want to make somebody else feeling adequate if they're not enjoying your body so then you're going to make them feel bad about it like I've been in spaces and actually it was with a guy with a bigger penis and I kept telling him like listen you need to warm me up more your dick is really big it's it's like lovely but a lot and then he was just he took offense that I was saying like hey you're this is a lot and I'm like and I almost feel like you're purposely trying to hurt me and that's yes I'm in the kink and I like those things but we didn't negotiate this and he started going, well, you know, well, because I think like, well, that women have shallow. And I was like, stop it. Hey, this is my business. Do this for a living. Everybody's badge is different. It doesn't matter if you're fat or thin. You could be thin and have a shallow badge. And I'm like, and actually, I do have a shallow badge. It's not because I'm fat. It's because the way my body's shaped. We're not having that kind of conversation. Like, hello. And if you're doing that to me, if you're doing that, like, okay, I, I know and I can stop that. But somebody who doesn't have that and that's with me just going slow down I'm not telling you you're bad at it I'm saying you're being bad at it for me in this moment but we can fix this so there's just such this thing about like everything being focused on dicks and everything being focused on like the size and how well it works or doesn't work because it's that size and then what that translates to in the bedroom and also like this expectation and I'm really, it's been really lovely. Like I've always said, every penis has its purpose. There is, you, there is going to be 
you know, somebody who loves that size, it works for them, or you're going to find some positions that are great. But I really love the trend lately. Of, I saw a meme, what was it? It was like, I love a good average size king, especially if he has an average size dick. And I'm like, yeah, because for some of us, like the spots we like to hit are a little bit more shallow. And a lot of times larger penises can bypass that. And, and sometimes it just doesn't do what you need it to do. I've had partners with all different size penises. And I'll tell you that like, yes, I've had partners with big penises that like it was amazing and I've had partnerships with big penises where it was just like mediocre and I've had average size partners and smaller partners on the smaller size where I was like wow well you were touching spots that you know so it's it comes down to figuring out how you fit and again this comes back to conversation comes back to conversation and talking to one another and exploring with each other and consenting to doing and trying different things, negotiation, um, and not having this expectation of you come in, I come in, you're going to do this, you're going to know what you're doing. And even if you do know what you're doing, I've, I even had to learn that, like, I, for the longest time, was so braggadocious about my oral skills. And then I had a person go, you know, but like, if this if this was a dude doing this, you would do it. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. And also, not everybody enjoys my blowjobs. It doesn't make me bad at it. It just means that my mouth doesn't work for their piece. I've had that, ha- you know, where they're like, mm, I like other things with you, but this isn't my favorite. And it's like, okay, cool. I get it. Is there something that you like or something I could try? And we'd be like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Because everybody is different. One penis is the same. It's not the same as the next one. What people like, how they like it. But we framed it so much so that men are these cookie cutter. The only thing different about them is their the size. But it's like so much more to it, to what they like. Also, how they can get off. We framed in a very narrow box. And now we there's more people being open about like pegging and things. And they're like, why are men so resistant? I'm like, because forever they were wedged into this box of what is heteronormativity what it means to be a man and putting things in a butt was never part of that in that box even though a lot of them have a magical button that can make like orgasms great it's not not everybody's works that way but a lot of them do and it's also part of their sexual health to touch that button because massaging your prostate is a part of like like you know saving off prostate cancer and longevity it's there's so many things that go along with touching the prostate, but because we've put them in a box of what a man is supposed to be, how a man is supposed to be, what men look like, and then we get that broadens the conversation about gender identity and sexuality, and when we broaden that box to inclusive other people, and we're like, hey, fluidity and what that looks like, it means that this box doesn't have to be this way and that being a man can mean so many different things. And it's, and it's talking. It's, it comes down to like talking and again, giving consent to yourself to explore and not stay so rigid in the space that you, that you've always been in. So it's, it's a back and forth flow. And that's why, even though the series is, mostly fo- focused on vulvas I love it because it's finally kind of giving a view to all those boys all those people with penises that got put in a separate room during sex ed week and taught about their penises only and about wet dreams and didn't get to learn anything it's like you finally get to be in the room you finally get to watch the video you finally get to be there to see it, take the take the advantage, watch it. Like, and I want this. I would love if something like this was made where we talk about, you know, penises and and other bodies, and we focus on those things because I think we each need to be in the room and learning about each other's bodies and like what that means and and broadening the spectrum. And there's so much that this opens up the door to. Like, I had a whole conversation with somebody where they're like, I think I get intersex now. We all start out as one. And then as we, and I'm like, yeah. And then when things form, it's not just this or that. Sometimes it's a combination and science, you know? (laughs) But that's so true. And even it's so funny just to take us back to the kind of the 
focus on penetration and how that's like, you know, it's kind of, it's a heavy cross from end to bear of like, oh, I'm, t- I'm the active partner. I'm the one penetrating my size matters. When this is another thing that um, is talked about in the documentary that, and not many people might know this, that it's only maybe 20-ish percent of people with vulvas that even can orgasm from penetration. So it's like penetration doesn't even really matter. It's not the star of the show. And yet it's right. been it's been like held up on this pedestal when in fact it's like, well, does your dick size really matter if this person needs like outer vulval um, clitoral stimulation instead? And it's just, it's mad. Yeah. Or, and it's really like, it's, it's really the shape of the dick, uh, the position that you're in so that you can like hit the inner part of the clitoris when you're brushing, because when you're brushing the G spot, you're brushing the inner clitoris. So it does come like when we talk about curves, when we talk about, you know, putting people in position, that's where is what's making penetration feel better. Just penetration alone isn't working for for a lot of folks with vulvas. This, this is why it was so funny. I was doing the talk last night and they asked about, they're like, what's the big deal with dildos? Like, why are dildos a thing? And I'm like, I don't know why dildos are the patron saint of sex toys when most of us do not come through penetration. But somehow dildos have become the de facto thing that people think about. And I'm like, unless you want to use something inside while you're masturbating or you want to have one for your partner to use on you, like maybe if you're doing like they've come already and then they're helping you and you're going to rub your clip, but you want something like just having a dildo. If you're not a person who wants penetration, you don't need it. It's not the thing. And it's, I ask people that all the time. I'm like, do you want something inside? And they're like, not really. I'm like, so why are we in the dildo section? <laughs> let's, let's walk over here. Why, do, why are you standing here? I mean, you can do, save the money as well at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, but that's so many thing. people who are, they're buying their first sex toy, they go straight to the dildo section and they just kind of stand there. And I'm like, okay. Are, do, do you come through penetration? They're like, I never have. I'm like, why are we here? Why are we here? <laughs> Let's move over. And then it's, but then it becomes like, oh, maybe it's a, it's an accessory. It's a thing. It's a, a, a thing that can be help, can help. And there are those who do come that way. And so we live in a world where there's a million different shapes. And so now you can go find that perfectly shaped thing that just is the perfect length you want, the perfect you know, density, it's got the curve, the texture, the whatever, it's out there. I promise you it exists and you can go buy it and have the thing that you, that makes you feel great. But yeah, there's just so much more. There's so much more to it. There's so much diversity to to sex toys now, but what I thought was like really good in the show is that obviously a, the diversity in sex toys mentioned, but actually it was just so lovely to see the diversity on screen between like, because like obviously we're in Ireland, Ireland is like really white a lot of the time right. and a lot of sex education is really white. But I thought the show was really great for that diversity. So yeah, in the show, Erica Hart, like what they say is that um they center black people in um their, their sex education practice. And I thought that was really um I don't want to say revolutionary but it kind of is like because it, it shouldn't be revolutionary that should kind of be a normal thing um, yeah. and they were talking about like colonialization and you know oppression and things like that and I thought that the show is so great at promoting that intersectional approach and mentioning people with disabilities and all the commentators on it came from lots of different backgrounds and identities so how do we make that translate into the rest of the world beyond Netflix like how do we make those conversations about sex and consent and intimacy a lot more intersectional yeah I think it's just opening up opening up your bandwidth to let other people in it's finding other communities to visit it's like in in the sex shop in the sex realm one of the the pushes have been packaging let's just take people off packaging you know we don't have to a a lot of successful companies don't even have people on their packaging the toys on packages like other designs we don't need to have thin white hot people on packaging to sell sex toys I don't think we ever did. I think the the audience was maybe at the time in the very beginning, it was men. And so it was kind of like the male gaze and trying to have this. And so that's why forever it was always like the thin white blonde lady or in silhouette. So learn 
seeing that and we've seen so many successful new companies come up with, and take that out of the game. Um, talking about sex toys from a anatomical standpoint and a type standpoint instead of men and women because you're leaving so many people out of the conversation if you go men's toys women's toys if you say oh these are our toys for penises this is for folks with penises um uh these are for vulvas this is clitoral this would be for in external um, external this is for butt stuff oh this is specifically for prostate um yes you could use this on a penis like talking about it more when it comes to body parts and then dividing them up by style. Like we have dildos, we have strokers, we have vibrators, we have bullets, rabbits. Uh, you know, we, we have, there's so many different types of sex toys. So taking out the conversation of like, this is a women's vibrator. You're already opening it up. If you're like, these are all for, for bodies. Where on your body do you want to use it? Oh, you want something for your butt? Here's the butt section. Here's and oh, do you want something specifically shaped to touch a prostate? I got you. Oh, you don't have a prostate, but you like that? You put it in your butt. You got a butt? You can put it in your butt. It go. That's where it goes, and it it immediately takes the veil off of like it gives permission. This isn't not for me. I I have so many men come in that go, oh, you only have things for women, and I'm like, sir. So where do you see that? I'm like that. That has a hole in it. You know what? That's for. That's for Nick. Uh, you know that this is a this is a cock ring. This is a this is a if you like butt stuff. Like every everybody. Well, most people have a buckle. A lot of people have a buckle. And if you want something in your butt, you can put that in there. And I'm like, even these things. I know they're pink, but penises like vibration. You know, like they also sell it in black. So if you really want to try it out, they have it. And and now there's more toys being geared towards. Um, folks with, you know, like trans, you know, trans folks, so non-binary folks, like different bodies and what they might need. Humping toys are coming back into uh, the game. Like we've got like the Pele Wim and we have some other ones where humping and now they're making humping toys that also vibrate. Um, we're finding a lot more uh, vibes that are being shaped for penises so that they can be held or cupped or, and it's not like just the anatomically correct you know, half torso for somebody to have sex with, which if that's somebody's jam, that's their jam. I'm not going to yuck their yum, but there's so much out there now. And I love that. And I think that's how you make it inclusive is you just, you're like, what is making this non-inclusive? Oh, when we make dildos, why do we only make the biggest dildo black? And why don't we have different shades? Like it's one thing if it's the color black, but is that supposed to represent a black person? And why is it always the biggest one? But, oh, so now we have dildo companies making all sizes that come in so many different shades. So we have the big dildo will also come in, like, vanilla or cream or whatever. They're calling their – they're still working on these colors and, and how they, how they want to name them. It's a lot of food. It's like mocha, vanilla, cream. Um, but I, I love seeing that that's happening where it's taking the stereotype out and we're like, oh, we're going to, if we have a big one, that big one also comes in like four different shades, hot pink, also the color black, and maybe blue. Like you can buy other things. But then if you want skin tones, you have so many shades because I've had black men come in who say like, I'm no, I don't have a BBC and I would like to have something for my partner, but I'd like kind of close to what I have and I can't find anything. And we've had to, you know, and I'm like, I got places for you. Like there's, you know, now I can help track something down for you. So that, but that, that is inclusive now. Somebody doesn't come in and see their body as a stereotype. Um, we worked really hard to talk to companies about changing the names, the awful, awful names that have been on toys. Like my favorite, favorite in quotes, uh, my first pregnant Latina. It's like, listen, if you have a pregnancy fetish. What? Yeah. How did that was, pass any marketing And it department? didn't need to say anything about it, right? Because, like, listen, I get that pregnancy fetish is a fetish. It could just be a pregnant whatever. Because, mm. again, I'm not yucking your yum. Let's take the race out of it. Why does it have to be, you know, any? it's just the thing. You want to have sex with a pregnant thing? Okay. Like, a, you know, and it's like, okay. But why do we have to put the stereotype around it 
because that just pro- proliferates. It just keeps going. And so now I think a lot of these companies are saying like, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to be woke. You don't have to. But what's going to happen is you're going to lose customers and people are going to call you out. And it may not actually affect your bottom line, but it means you're not going to grow. It means you're not going to move into the future with your company. It means you're going to be stagnant and you're going to be a company that looks old fashioned. You look like you're in the 80s still. And so that's how we we make it more inclusive by like coming in and being like, take this out. And I had somebody say like, well, what if I want that? And I'm like, you you can in your own home, if you want to call it a Latina doll, do that. But it doesn't need to be on the shelves. Somebody of Latinx descent does not need to go into a sex shop and see that. We don't need everything to be ebony cream and it be a certain look. And we don't need that. But if you want to go home and in your own bubble, in your own world, because of your preferences or whatever you like or your fetishes, but that's in your privacy of your home. The rest of the world doesn't need to go and have to feel like awful about how they're being portrayed out in the world. And that's the thing is that a lot of people with white, able body, thin, hot, you know, don't realize how much, like, yes, it's not saying that there aren't uh, fetishizations and things putting out there, but they're get, they're, they get to be seen across the spectrum of how what what it is sex so you get to be the sexy siren you get to be the like sexy schoolgirl. you get to be all these things the sophisticated sexy lady and marginalized folks are usually like some kind of awful bbc stereotype or some like pregnant teenager you know marginalized teenager like stereotype we don't get to be part of the spectrum and that's inclusivity is like everybody if you're going to do it do it to everybody it doesn't have to be make that doll in multiple shades. Don't just make it in one shade and go like, well, people like it. It's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, we can, we can make change. Um, and on it's the, about language. I just wanted to ask you as well, like on yeah. this, on the subject of like, yeah, how sex toys have evolved. And like, I've even seen what's that brand where it's like, it's like an asparagus dildo. There's one that's like an ear of corn. Yes. Like they, I, they do fruit and vegetable ones. They and like, do fruit you can, and vegetables. yeah. And there's like tentacles now and everything. So, like, obviously, that's maybe a slightly more surreal aspect. But like, what, what do you think that future sex toys would look like? Or what do you want them to look like? Like, what do you want to see created that is still maybe a bit of a gap? I would like, honestly, I want sex toys to get to a place where they are thinking about multiple types of bodies um either and not meaning like i don't i don't need one toy to do everything but you know like when the air pulse toys came out the reason why womanizer continues to be the brand that i really like because they make nozzles that come off one for cleaning, but two, they give you multiple sizes. So they're not sitting and thinking, oh, like everybody has the same size clip. They really are like, oh, we're going to make multiple nozzles because it's going to fit for different people's bodies. That alone like sold it for me. I was like, oh, you think about it. You, you thought about who's using this toy and who could possibly be using this toy. I'm not saying that that's perfection, but it's literally thinking about it. And it's a lot of times like when there's these specialty toys, like I love the Eva Badame. It doesn't work for everybody, right? But they'll say that too. Like they know like it doesn't work for everybody. The hope is that they keep making things that might work for different bodies and, and so that they have choice within it. And that's what I want to keep happening. I want there to be more things that are thought of when they're being made. That they're like, oh, if somebody who uh, has like accessibility needs, if there's a disabled person, you know, if they have grip issues, if they have issues with holding or they can't hold it and like, how can they use this? I want more of that being put into it without it having to be this big show of we made an accessible thing. It's when you're designing it, are you designing it so so many different kinds of people can use it? Um, And older people, people don't think like older people have sex. Like, you know, we're all getting old. We're going to be older people who have sex. And so thinking about, like, ease of use, the where the buttons are, how easy it is to turn things on and off, um, how easy it is to charge it, all these things, that's, I want to see that keep getting better. And I think we, we are getting there. And I think that's where I want sex toys to go. I think we're, I don't know. I never know. People go, what do you want to see? And I'm like, I have no idea. Because if you would have told me, 10 years ago 
we would have air pulse toys. I would have been like, mm, cause everybody had been trying to make things that mimicked oral or did something. And here we are, we end up with air pulse. So I don't know, there are some genius people. And I think the great thing about sex, the sex toy community is that they will just make something. It may not work, but they're going to make it. And then somebody's going to tweak it. And then somebody else is going to tweak that. And then somebody else will come in and maybe change it. And then if it doesn't work, nobody makes it anymore. And then they go back to the drawing board and they make something new. You don't see that in many other industries. Like most industries spend forever testing things and doing a thing before they put it out. I would like to see more testing. I would I would like to actually see them offer things to someone to try. Some companies do do that, like Dame. They test a lot of their products. They do a lot of uh, customer um, questionnaires when they're coming out with something new. I would love to see real people being like, oh, did this work? Try this out before they put something out. And you're like, what is this? Why are you why are you making it? But I do love the creativity. I love that if you have a vegetable fetish or you think it's fun or you just think it's cute, that you can go get a cucumber, a asparagus, a corn, and, and you can like have sex with it. I like that if you have if you're in the anime and you have a tentacle thing, you can live that tentacle fetish out. There's the abipositor, which is like it will deposit alien eggs made out of a gelatin that melts at body at body temperature so you can be inseminated by an alien like whatever your sexy little mind can come up with sex toys are making it possible and i love that i love that and it shows that we can do that without being awful right we don't have to be demeaning or diminishing to give people their fetish if you like really big dicks you should be able to find them in a myriad of colors and if you do if bbc is your thing okay you have a choice but it shouldn't be the only thing should be everything that's big and brown is labeled bbc you know that that that's the the point of it is like coming around to it so i just i just hope we keep trending in the future into what we're doing now and it keeps getting better and doesn't like backslide 100 percent, and maybe more sparkly sex toys too i like it a bit of sparkling yeah. glitter is maybe it's not maybe not very eco-friendly at the moment but you know that, that's they make kind of eco glitter though i'm sure there's a way we can like figure that's out that's true yeah we can yeah. figure that out but um oh this it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you and i just love that you've brought the same sense of humor that we've seen on the show and i because i just think that is just the way to let people access a conversation that may be very scary that may you know be riddled with shame because of everything that we've said and i just think humor and gentleness and kindness that you have really kind of allows people to access that so thank you for being such an absolute badass and where can people find you if they want to follow along with all the awesome stuff you do oh yeah Um, you can find me on twitter and instagram both at Dirty Lola, and then you can check out my website, which is dirtylola.co, so it's .co, and that's where one day I'll actually put something on the blog, and, but you can learn, like, how to work with me, and when I am doing things, I'll be posting you there, so. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for everything, and Thank Alex, where can me. people find us if they want to follow on with some more consent stuff? So to keep up with Greenlight Podcast and also Active Consent, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Active Consent. And then you can also find all of our learning resources and our learning materials on consenthub.ie, which is our fantastic website in partnership with the Department of Justice and Department of Further and Higher Education. So whether it's frequently asked questions about consent, Irish consent law, learning resources for um, educators, for parents, for young people, whatever you need. We're going to be putting even more stuff up in the coming months on consenthub.ie. So please check it out. You can also find Greenlight podcast episodes there. Fantastic. Thank you. And thanks Mil, to all our listeners. We love you all so much for listening in and learning all the fun stuff about consent and pop culture as well. So um, yeah, enjoy our back catalogue and we will see you soon.